Hello, and welcome to the DMV Business Show, a weekly show where we get to meet local business and community leaders in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area. They get to impact their story and how they got there. You can expect to hear advice and learn about their journey and how they went from point A to point B. My name is Odo Sevilla, and I'm a commercial real estate advisor in the local DC, Maryland, and Northern Virginia area. I have been very fortunate to have worked with many amazing entrepreneurs and executives, from startup founders to international Fortune 500 companies. And one of the things I love about what I do is I get to form these great relationships with some interesting people. I get to know them and I learn about how it all started. And I love hearing a good business story. When I'm not working in commercial real estate, I just also happen to be the host of this show. So please enjoy and welcome to the DMV Business Show. Hello everyone, welcome to the DMV Business Show. I'm your host, Odo Sevilla. And today our special guest is Jacob Hensley, owner and founder of District Dogs. Welcome to the show, welcome to the show, Jacob. Thank you, thank you for having me. Of course. So before we get into your journey, if you could just give a brief overview to the audience as far as what is District Dogs? Yeah, uh, so District Dogs, we're um, a pet care company in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, we do doggy daycare, dog boarding, training, grooming, um, overnight pet sitting and dog walking. Um, so we pretty much do, do everything um, uh, that your dog can need. And we also do some cat services as well. As well. Um, we have three locations currently in Washington, D.C. Um, and then we have a, a one more opening next year and a, and a couple others opening up in Virginia in the following years. Oh, that's awesome. And, and they're all in the district in Washington, D.C. And you said a few in Northern Virginia, right? Yeah. So the three I have open currently, um, I have one in Navy Yard across from the Nat Stadium. I have um, one in Shaw um, on Sherman Avenue it's near 930 Club, if you're familiar with the area. And then my original location is on Georgia Avenue in the Parkview neighborhood, just north of Howard University. Um, and then my fourth one will be opening in Northeast DC on Rhode Island Avenue. And then two others in Virginia, one in Clarendon, spring of next year, and then one in, in National City, which is the new Amazon HQ2 complex in 2023. That's great. So it's uh, almost six there. Yeah, it'll be six total and there'll, there'll probably be a couple others as well. So we'll see. Oh, that's great. I, I can't wait to get into the story. So are you originally from this area, the, the district, the DMV or? I am not. I've, I've been in DC 11 years now. Uh, I, I got here in 2010. Uh, but I'm originally from Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky. Where, whereabouts in Kentucky? Um, I was, I was raised in Florence, Kentucky, just south of Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, but I was born um, Eastern Kentucky. Okay. So you did all, all through high school in Kentucky, right? Yep. Yep. All, all high school and, and all, uh, all uh, my college as well, my undergraduate. Oh, okay. Um, so as a child in Kentucky, Jacob, what, what were you into? What did you like to do in your free time? Um, I was definitely a quiet little, a quiet kid, a loner. I, mean, I had some friends, but I spent a lot of time alone. Um, most of my time, like, was like catching bugs and frogs, like a, a spending time in the, in the creek. Um, like I had lots of different um, uh, like, like bug cages and stuff. Like it was just really crazy. Um, I just always was catching little animals. Like I loved animals. I loved nature. I loved plants. And of course I had my family dog, which is super important to me. Um, but I was al alone a lot just with nature. 
you know, I, I'm smiling because my oldest, uh, I have three boys, so my oldest son, Liam, he's so into that. He, he actually just a week ago, Jacob, formed a, a terrarium. And uh, uh-huh. yeah, he was just looking for some like a, a plastic boxes and we didn't have any. So we had a leftover. So he, he went outside. Uh, when we go on hikes here in nature, he's always looking under rocks to see what he mm-hmm. can find. And uh, yeah, yeah it, it just reminds me, it's just like, this is him trying to build this terrarium, putting little bugs and insects in there. Mm-hmm. And um, just this Sunday we were on a hike and he, um, he found a salamander. He was like, oh my God. And it was just the world to him. And then he makes, he's like, Papa, help me look up. What type of salamander is this in Maryland? So I'm over there and Googling it. I'm like, Liam, I think this is the one. Uh, but it, it just brings, when you mentioned this, you growing up, it's like, this is my oldest. It's exactly what we're going through right now. <laughs> yeah. There's just, there's so much to learning and curiosity of like nature and what's around you. There's always, it's just a really fun experience. I loved it as a kid. And I still do. Like whenever I go out with my nephews or even alone, like on a hike with friends as a 34 year old, I'll flip over a rock and see what I can find just, just for fun. Or I'll point out different plants. Say, oh, there's that, that like, a, it just, it's nice to know what's around you. It is. It is. Mother nature is definitely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you were into, and I guess that growing up, and then you said you also went to college in Kentucky. Where'd you end up? Yeah, I went to, yeah. I went to Moorhead state university. It's a small school in Eastern Kentucky. Um, yeah. I went there um, four years. I graduated with a, with a degree in finance. What, what were you thinking as far as for finance and, you know, as far as career when you were in college um, there? Yeah, I mean, long term, uh, I, I thought about, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I knew I wanted to start my own business. So that was always in my head. And even though I wanted a career and um, in finance, and I had a career for a few years in finance, I always knew deep down, I need to start a business. Um, but but with finance, um, I started investing when I was very young. Um, as soon as I turned 18, I opened up like literally the day of my birthday, I opened up uh, like a, an E-Trade or a Scott Trade account just to start investing. I've been saving money in all small different businesses as a kid for a very long time. I'm like, okay, guys, now I can finally start investing on my own without, you know, parent supervision and stuff. Um, so, uh, uh, so yeah, I wanted to get like in stocks and just helping the financial advice. And I was a financial advisor um, with uh, Edward Jones and then Merrill Lynch after college for three years. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think I was 16. I was definitely not 18 yet because I, I, I persuaded like crazy to get my uncle to open an E-Trade account for me um, because I was not of age yet. So I was able to use his information, of course, with his blessing. And then I opened my first E-Trade account. But before that, Scott Trade, um, I don't know if it's still around or what happened. All these people get merged and acquired. Yeah, yeah. Um, you were able to do sort of a the simulation where you would sort of play in the stock market. And uh, yeah, but I remember going, I went to Maryland here, uh, University of Maryland, and in between classes, I would sort of go in to check, this is with day trading. And, but I learned a lot there as far as day trading, what to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So you, you were, after graduation, you said you became a financial advisor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got a job at Edward Jones in their home office in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and then I was there for about a year, and then I moved to D.C. from Edward Jones um, to work for a financial advisor out here, um, and then uh, eventually went to, to Merrill Lynch to, 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 to do the same thing for Merrill Lynch, uh, a little bit bigger and more locally. 
Okay. And you went to the Merrillage office in downtown in DC? Um, I actually worked out of three different Bank America branches. So okay. I worked in Bethesda, Spring Valley, um, in Northwest DC, and then also the Friendship Heights branch. Yeah. Being a financial advisor, it's almost like you have your own business. You have your own book of business. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. you, you have that going on as well, as far as your interest also in the financial markets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely. I've always been like self-motivating. Um, and that's, uh, that's really important to be a financial advisor, even a small business owner. What made you to, li- to leave the financial industry and, and get into this? Um, so I got my, my current dog, Molly, or one of my current dogs, Molly, nine, nine years ago. I guess, yeah, she's nine. Um, and when, I, when we first got her, um, it took us several weeks to find a dog walker that we liked, that we trusted, and that was affordable. And, and I just saw like, a pretty uh, a big need in the pet care space in Washington, D.C. when I first got my dog. So I got my, my mind going. I, I have a little book of like, business ideas, and I, and I just wrote down you know, pet care and just did some brainstorming in my little book. Um, and, and then eventually as I kept working for Merrill Lynch and like, I still, you know, started thinking more about businesses. And then, um, that year, uh, I think I was 26. I'm like, well, it's now or never type of thing. So I'm 26. I'm young enough where if it fails, I can get back in the finance industry, you know, and I'm still late twenties, early thirties or, um, or, or it's a great success. Um, and, and, and it, it's worked out so, so far for me. Um, but it's just like, I know if I waited to my 30s, I would be super risk adverse and just not want to try something new. So I was young enough. I'm like, let's do it. Yeah, that happens. You, you get comfortable, especially with mm-hmm. being a financial advisor. You know, it takes time to develop that that book of business. And with a right. certain period of time, you're like, I did all this hard work, five, 10 years, whatever. And should I now leave it? Right. Yeah, this is not always easy. So you, you decided... You had the idea. You said you had a book with ideas. What made you select this one instead of the others you had brainstormed prior to? Um, I saw more of a need um, and it's something that was a little easier to implement because I started the business as just a dog walking business. Um, I was the, the first dog walker, the only employee, and uh, no, there's no overhead and you know, no expenses, just websites, marketing. Um, so it was really easy and I could easily plan out okay, I need this many dogs to survive, to pay all my expenses and whatever number of dogs that was. And then I need this many dogs to make what I was making before. So I had all these like milestones and goals. Um, and then um, it was just an easier business to implement. And, and I love dogs. Dogs are really important to me, really important to a lot of people. Um, and just seemed like the, the best opportunity um, of, of the different ideas I had and the easiest one to, to get into. I like that. So it's it started it started small with just dog walking, and then for, from there it built, right? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It started dog walking 2014. My first daycare was on 2016. So about two years of only dog walking and, and building the brand. You know, hiring dog walkers across the, the across the, uh, the DC area, and then I eventually hired a general manager to manage the dog walking piece, so I could focus on my first brick and mortar. When, when you start with the dog walking, are you doing this sort of on your time off, Jacob, between, you know, being a financial advisor, I guess, evenings, weekends, is that how it started? Nope, it started, left my job and oh. made the website live. And then it started like, um, I was fortunate enough to have like a spare bedroom in my house. So I was Airbnb. So I was able to have some revenue from there. So the first couple months, I, I was able to cover a lot of my expenses with Airbnb. Um, and it was really, um, 
uh, so it was a good entry. Uh, but I went to Craigslist, you know, posted job ads, and I just started trying to get those first clients. But I needed like it was very few. I think I needed like just six or seven a day to live off of to manage all my expenses, and and that's like the the most important part is that at least I'm not losing money type of thing. So and it didn't take long. Maybe it took three or four weeks after I, I left Merrill Lynch to uh, to get those clients. So I was big enough business to survive. And then it really just sort of snowballed from there uh, pretty quickly. Well, that's great. So it, it all started with a Craigslist posting. Is that where you were posting? Yeah, yeah. I started, I think my very first client I got from Craigslist. Um, yes, yeah, still, still remember the client. So most of, I guess, your client acquisition back then starting off was Craigslist or, or were you also trying, I don't know, Facebook marketplace or yeah, other things or? It started as first couple of Craigslist and then in Yelp. So I, I, I created my Yelp account, um, you know, my Yelp listing and I, I, I pet sat for my neighbors once and I was like, can you please leave me my first review, which they did. And then Yelp was, was big as well. I, Yelp's not crazy important anymore. Um, but, uh, it was Yelp and Craigslist. And, and then eventually a lot of it was word of mouth, um, and, uh, and just social media too. But I didn't do any like marketing, like a paid marketing on really at all. Um, at first it was really just grassroots then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but you said it didn't take long, only a couple of weeks and you were already getting booked, I guess, six, six dogs per day. And yeah, I started the business in September, 2014. And my first employee I hired, I believe was October or early November. So within a couple months um, or a month and a half, I hired my first employee, part-time employee. Um, and uh, like it gave that person like five or six dogs to walk. And then I would build up another route. So, and then I, I believe I had five dog walkers um, by summer 2015. So just within like six months, probably, I think I had a, about five part-time dog walkers. Wow. Okay. That, that, that's, that's a lot of growth. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of need. Like, uh, I mean, there's still a lot of need. I mean, dog walking, not so much at the moment with, with COVID. Uh, but, um, but yeah, there's a lot of dogs in the city and yeah. So you, you just mentioned roots here. So was your focus on specific neighborhoods in DC or, or how was yeah. that? Yeah, I pretty much like had my house as the epicenter, you know, so go out to my, from my house. Like you, when you build a dog walking route, you want to make sure they're convenient and you can maximize your time by what easily going from one dog to another dog. Um, and I picked like a, a few neighborhoods that I was interested in, in building routes. So at, at first, my personal route was all over the place, but mostly in Northwest DC. But as, as I add more clients, then the, the routes became denser and denser in specific neighborhoods. So I have some dog walkers today that will walk, you know, 10 to 15 dogs a day, all within like a four block radius, just because we've over time, we've been able to build and condense these routes to maximize everyone's time. Um, but pretty much just, just Northwest DC when I first started. When you first started, Jacob, was it immediately the, the name, the brand, District Dogs, or where, where did that come afterwards? Yeah, um, it was uh, when I first started, District Dogs was the name. I, I went through okay. different, before I launched, I had different you know, brand um, ideas, different logos, and then eventually, um, what was keeping me from, from doing District Dogs was the, the, the domain districtdogs.com was, was already purchased. So I had to buy it third party. It was $1,000. And that was my biggest expense. I'm like, this is the best name. It's simple. It's easy. Let's just do it. Um, so th that was my, my one big expense that I 
had to do before I launched and I really thought it was worth it and it has been worth it. Uh, because it's a, it's a really good name, it's recognizable, um, and it's super simple. It is, it's a perfect name. I, I love it. And, 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 I'm, and that's great that you even just before you already knew that this is the name and you, you know, mm-hmm. this, you, you sort of bit the bullet and like it's an investment, a thousand dollars and it's going to be worth having that URL. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then you said a couple months later, you had several walkers. Did, mm-hmm. did, was the idea always to have, I guess, a place and just provide more than just dog walking services or did that come later? Yeah, that was always like in the back of my head. Um, like, I, yes, uh, I want to do it. I want to continue growing the brand, but it never really felt like it was going to happen. I, I just felt like um, that, you know, like leasing a building, it's, it's a big, it's, it's a big step for a business, you know, to go from dog walking to a brick and mortar. And I'm like, am I capable of doing this step? Like I've never done this before. I don't know what it's like. Um, but things just fell into place and I did it and it worked out. Um, but, uh, yeah. So the answer to your question, it was in the back of my head, but I never really knew if it was going to happen. Yeah. And you said the lo- the first location came about two years later. Yeah. In 2016. Yeah. Almost exactly two years later, we opened in November, 2016. So when that happened, Jacob, were you at a point that I guess maybe enough savings because obviously it's an investment to do the build out with any location and, or, or I guess the growth was just so much as like, it's time now. Yeah. Um, a very fortunate that my dog walking business was very successful at that time. Um, and, and the savings from the business helped build it out. And also I just, uh, cash flow, I cash flowed the build outs with, with the dog walking profits. Um, so I was very fortunate if I were to, I think starting as a dog walking business really helped want to build my brand client base, but really helped provide that cash flow opportunity to do my first location without having to take out a loan. And that would have added a lot more stress to my first location, knowing that it's all debt, but uh, mm-hmm. there was no debt taken on to do my first location. Wow. That's uh, that's very good. Were, were you also doing before the first location besides dog walking, were you providing other service like pet sitting or boarding or did that come later? Yeah, just pet sitting and cat sits, essentially. Okay. Yeah, there's no boarding, but all, all in home services. Okay, okay. You know, I, I don't know if, I'm, I'm in commercial real estate, so I'm curious now, how did you select your first location? And how do you um, go about now selecting the others? Yeah, so the first location, uh, one, I have a, a really, I have a, a very good friend who connected me with my real estate broker. And uh, my real estate broker has been absolutely amazing for me. Um, so it's been a great relationship. Um, but I, I started, you know, like my first location was one and a half blocks from where I lived. Oh, that's convenient. Like, uh, it's sort of like how, how I invest. I invest in what I know. Like, I want to open my location in what I know. Like, it's, it's nearby. I, I know the neighborhood. I know the dogs. Um, and, and it worked out. And we had a, we found a, it's, up in, Park, it's in Parkview on Georgia Avenue. It's, it's an old liquor store that we had a, a retrofit to a doggy daycare. And we still have it today. Um, and, uh. Yeah. And, and it just worked out. Um, and it was like the perfect size for my first location. I really try to test stuff out before I go all in. So before I do like a, a huge location, um, I, I wanted to test it out and make sure the doggy daycare concept worked and, and it worked. Um, and something that's, that's really important to me as I find future projects that still works with, uh, that, uh, that this original one has is I like to be on a commuter street. It's really important to be on a, a street that's 
easily accessible from people coming in and out of the city uh, because not only do I provide services for people in the neighborhood, but if you're on that commuter street, people see your signage every day and that's free advertising and like it's on their way to work, on their way out of work, that just adds a, a lot more people into your potential client base. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important to be on a commuter street. Um, and nowadays I, I do look to go in like class A retail and mixed use buildings in, in more urban city centers, um, more of an urban style doggy daycare. So a, a new apartment building with ground floor retail is usually what I look, look for. And, and you said the first one was on Georgia Avenue, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a perfect commuter street. I mean, you can't, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Georgia or Wisconsin, you can't, Connecticut, you can't get yeah. any better than the major ones there in D.C. Yeah, my fourth one in D.C. is going to be on Rhode Island Avenue, which is a, a big one, too. Yeah. Um, and we, uh, I mean, in my first location, we have put the signage up on Georgia Avenue. Like we, the first, I mean, we still, this still happens today, but people call us asking for a hot dog shop. Uh, district dogs. So, oh. really, so before we opened and we had the signage up, we're getting emails and phone calls about like hot dogs and stuff like that. It's really funny. Oh, that is funny. How big was the first one? Uh, the first one was only uh, 1,700 square feet. Okay. And I'm sure now it's, it's much different, right? Yeah. Um, my current two others in operation are around 3,000. Um, but then um, my one in Northeast DC coming next year is going to be almost 7,000. Um, and then my, my one in the Amazon HQ two building will be close to 6,000. Wow. So you're, you're now not just providing obviously walking services, you're providing a lot more to the, to the local community, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Do you also have your own line as far as merchandise, whether products, whatever it may be? Um, we, we have uh, on the website, go districtdogs.com slash shop. There's various, I mean, I've wearing one of the shirts today, um, but there's, there's some shirts and hats, but, but I don't really do a ton of retail. If people want swag, they can go there and you get some district dog swag. Um, but, but retail in general, um, it was more a pain than, than something that I, uh, uh, that made money and it was just really hard to maintain inventory and it just didn't make any money because we're not, we weren't a big enough pet store to actually have enough um, supply and different and variation that makes it, you know, so where someone goes to buy pet supplies because we're just too small. And then the few treats and a few toys that we had, um, it just didn't work out for everyone. So it was, it was tough to maintain retail. And now I'm, I'm happy to keep the lobbies nice and clean without the retail. And- sure. I'm sure, you know, starting off with the dock walking services, you know, a lot of it was first Craigslist, Yelp, and now with your physical store, physical locations going on to almost six, it is much different. How, how has it changed as far as what you were doing before to how I guess you are acquiring the customer clients today? Yeah, um, so we acquire clients today. Um, I mean, we're a pretty a decent sized brand now in Washington, DC. So if people are looking for pet care services, District Dogs is gonna pop up. Um, back at, when I first started, we necessarily wouldn't pop up all the time uh, because we're pretty small. So it, it was really, I feel like when I first started, it was really just, just luck when people happened to give us a shot and it worked out. But, but nowadays, since we are pretty big, we have, we have a lot of clients, we have a big social media following. It's really important for us, for me, um, to have District Dogs part of the community. And, and that's something that we really try to focus on is not only do we 
do we provide these services? We also try to be a part of the community. We, we engage with local restaurants and bars. Um, like we actually did an event with Framebridge, the, a picture framing store on, I think Sunday this past week. Um, and we try to just partner with other local businesses to give back to the dog community and do fun events. So it's really important. So when we're part of the dog community, people see us in the community and that really helps them give us a shot with any of the services that, that we, we do. So um, along with our social media, just really being like there with the people, that's really mm -hmm. important to us. Yeah, okay, that's good. What would you say drives and motivates you now? Um, um, from day one, I've always been motivated by my staff in trying to continue to grow a business to give them opportunity in the job and industry they love. Um, a lot of doggy daycares are happy with one or two locations, which is great. But if you have a rock star employee, that might not be enough for them. So I'm motivated to, to have more advancement opportunities for my staff. I, I'm hiring my first uh, regional manager um, early next year and I already have a person picked out. We've talked about it. We're just waiting for these next locations to open up. Um, and it's really exciting for her. She's a current general manager, so she would be promoted. So giving her this opportunity to, to have more responsibilities, you know, more pay as well. It's just great for her career. And, and staff is absolutely one of the things that motivates me the most. Um, then also, I love dogs. Dogs are a really important part of my life. Um, and they were as a kid. And I know how important they are to everyone's lives. Um, and just being able to provide more care to more dogs is, is always, always nice. Yeah. I'm glad you just mentioned staff too. How do you how do you choose that right team member, that right staff? And I, because I'm sure you said a couple months into it, you already had, I believe, several dog walkers. So now with your locations, I mean, how big is your team now? Mm -hmm. Well, we have around I think 60 total employees. That includes mm -hmm. full time and part time, um, and um, that'll be easily probably close to double next year when I open my two new locations. Um, but we try to, what's really important is not only finding people who love dogs and can take great care of dogs, but also the human experience is equally as important. Like we could have the, the best team member with the dog, but if you can't deliver a fantastic experience to the client, the client doesn't really know that you're giving a great experience to your dog. So it's, it's a, you have to be able to do both. And that's something that I've really focused on is hiring people that, can clearly communicate and give a wow customer experience, but also do the same thing with the dog in our care. How, how do you know that they, they can do both? Is, I'm just curious, is there like a survey or something that they fill out or complete uh, before that or? Yeah, the, the, through the interview process that I have, um, okay. I, I can tell, I think I'm pretty good at, you know, judging someone's abilities by, by the phone call and how they interact with me. And then also, of course, I call the references, um, but, uh, and I also try to find people with prior experience, specifically in customer service um, experience. In, like I've had a couple of people that used to work at Starbucks and that experience and that, that training that they go through at Starbucks, it, it goes well at District Dogs. So it's easier for me to train the dog component of the job than it is to train the, you know, the customer service experience. So if people have that existing experience from a different job, it really translates well. Um, and also having a current employee who's like a, a a prior school teacher and that experience has translated very well into this role because she knows how to deal with 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 human parents and also dog parents so that being able to communicate effectively about how your dog did during the day is very similar to about a child
Okay, that's good. I, I love to, uh, you know, I, I heard this the other day from another entrepreneur. And when you mentioned it, it just brought that back as far as when you have a good team around you, they want to grow as well in their career. And mm -hmm. therefore, if you're in the growth mindset as well, you, you want them to stay there. And therefore, yes. you need to grow as a business as well and provide and give them other opportunities. Unfortunately, not all businesses do that. And I'm sure you've seen maybe other similar types of businesses that may be in the dog industry not have not grow to what you're doing today, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It just really depends uh, on what you know the, the owner's goals are, and like I, I try to do what I can to give back to my team. We we I provide healthcare, matching four hundred one k PTO, and like I really try to to make this a career for most people that want to make it a career rather than just a job. If it's just a job, you'll be hiring, training all like people all the time. But if trying to make it a career, you get more quality people, um, and uh, they usually stick around longer and they enjoy the job and do a better job. How does your typical, well, I don't even know if it's typical, your, your typical day-to-day -day look like with all these locations? Yeah. Um, so all, at all my locations, I have general managers who run the day-to-day -day operations. My typical day, um, I'm a very early person. I'm usually up around 5.30 or 6. And I get most of my, like, busy work done between 5.30 or 6 and, like, 9 o'clock. Like, so I'm going to throw all my emails or accounting, all the, the busy work that I don't need to talk to anyone, just just get it done. Um, and then that happens usually in the very early morning. And then I, I like to stay fit. So I go to the gym usually after that for an hour or two. And then I, I get back to my office. Um, and the afternoons are usually meetings, um, office, or I'll do some supply runs for my team. But for the most part, my general managers do a great job managing day to day. Um, and uh, I check in, I, I email them, you know, keep, keep up what's going on. And I'll do stop and visits as well. Um, but, uh, that's usually what my, my day looks like. Um, just morning, busy work and afternoon meetings. Jacob, you just mentioned your, your GMs, your general manager and mm -hmm. talking, talking to some business owners, I, sometimes it happens where the owner may sometimes be the biggest bottleneck in the business mm -hmm. and, you know, they want to have their hands on everything in the pulse. And of course, as the owner, you should know what's going on everywhere in the business, mm -hmm. but it, it sometimes it's hard to sort of delegate. Um, have you had any issues with that? Or if so, how, how did you work around that? Um, ideally, if I don't talk to my general managers all day, that's a good thing. That means there's no issues. Um, and, and that I like to, to put on as, as many responsibilities on my general managers as possible. And the only things that should get to me are the things that need to get to me. Um, and, uh, and I, I, I can't micromanage on a few things. Like if I stop in my store and I see like some, some dirt or grime in the lobby, I get very picky. I'm like, that's been there for a couple of days, clean it up. Um, but for the most part, um, I try not to micromanage. I, I know I trust my managers um, and I know when things start to, you know, if things start to get a little rocky or, or not the best, like I start to see some warning signs. I'll see like staff checking in late or a, a client complaint or a couple client complaints. But if it goes in a week or two, I don't see much other, and, and I talk, still, still talk with them, but that's a good thing. Um, so um, I guess uh, I don't think I, there's a lot of things I bottleneck. I mean, there probably are things I'm not aware of and my staff could, could talk about. Uh, but from my end, I, I, do, I like them to handle their own problems that they can and come to me with things they can't.
Okay. Well, that's good. I, it sounds like you didn't have an issue as far as just providing everything to them and, and for them then to run the ball and see where they go. And then if anything falls, then you'll, you know, that's when you start seeing the warning signs and you sort of right, step exactly. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I, some, some of them don't want to do that. They want to be involved. And, and sometimes that's, yeah. you know, preventing the growth there. Yeah. If I were, was involved daily, I wouldn't be able to grow at all. Like I, I with all the different meetings I have with um, architecture, design, zoning, development, just in general, from a future locations or even hiring people, I wouldn't be able to, if I was in the store running operations, I couldn't do anything else. Yeah. It's a full-time job in the store. So that's why I hired general managers. That's smart. What advice would you give to someone who wanted to start any business, whether a product or service, any pointers that they need to know first before starting off? Um, for me, um, any business idea that, that I think of, like, branding and marketing and really setting yourself apart not is, is really important. Like not necessarily on the services you provide, but just looking different. If your brand is clean and modern, easy to understand, prices are easy to understand, services are easy to understand, like just make things simple and clean and it just helps you stand out. You go to a competitor's website, it might be complicated and this and that, fees for this and that, and just gets too complicated. Just keep things simple. I like that. Keep it simple. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially now we're in the social media age and uh, with Instagram or Facebook and you see all this flashy things going on and, and success. And a lot of people focus on the success and you've had a great amount of success this far. And I know you're just starting. Um, but along that road, along that journey, I know you've had some setbacks, I'm sure. Um, some failure. Some people don't like to label them as failure or whatever, however you want to call it what is something that comes to mind that was sort of big in, in your journey there, Jacob, and, and how did you maneuver around it? Um, I mean, the, the biggest thing that probably anyone we even talk about is really the COVID pandemic in, in 2020. Um, and, and that was by far the most impactful thing that's happened to my business and to anyone's business. Like it was the amount of unknown uncertainty that came with that. Um, I remember it was like probably February 2020 and I like saw all this coming. I sent a note out to all staff, like don't know what's going to happen, but we got to be prepared. And then uh, when all the shutdowns happened, unfortunately I I did have to lay off most of my staff. And I think we're just down to six employees. Um, And it was, it was very scary. Didn't know what was going on, but luckily we were able to remain being open because we're, we're in DC, animal care is a, was a essential business. Um, so we were, were able to stay open. Um, so we were able to you know, continue bringing revenue in. Um, and, then, uh, and then during the pandemic, um, after the first month or so, we were able to, um, we, we got back to almost to where we were before with daycare, not other services. So, so a lot of dogs came back, people working from home, Zoom calls, and you need to get their dog out of the house. So I was fortunate to be able to hire most of my staff back. Um, but what we really did to pivot um, in the new, the new normal of COVID was I focused on grooming and dog training. I knew a lot of dogs were coming on with puppies and the rescue, the shelters were clear. And then with all these new dogs, they need training, but also grooming is something that you always need, even if you're working from home and you're stuck in your house. A dog always needs to be groomed every you know, three months or so. So I really focused on the services that, um, that I knew that, that we could grow 
easier during the during the pandemic times um, and that's that really helped our 2020 out a lot to help help us get through uh, and not have a, a lot of hurt from it so that was um, our biggest pivot that we did and it's still today so prior to prior to covid you were you were not providing grooming services and and than the other service you mentioned? Not the scale that, that we do now. We, we had like one groomer uh, doing some, some cuts a day, but I was able to hire a couple more groomers and we had no dog trainers. Um, we had, and now we have a team of five. Um, so the dog training has added about 30, 30% to our top line uh, of revenue just by adding that service. Like we worked with some other local trainers in the past, just a little revenue share here and there, but nothing substantial. Um, so I'm like, I got to hire a training manager. And, uh, and a lot of people were looking for work because I mean, uh, they were laid off from their job from wherever they were doing dog training. I'm like, I got to get on this now. Um, in like July of 2020 is when I hired my first training manager. Um, and then from there, we added more trainers and now it's a big part of our business. And you mentioned five dog trainers. Are, are they all full-time or part-time basis? Yep, all full-time. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I, out of all the, the the services you have, you know, dog walking, boarding, uh, grooming, training, and others, what would you say, I guess, is the best margin for you in your business? Let's see. Yeah. It's um, a good question. I, I would say, I mean, they're all actually pretty similar, mm -hmm. um, but I would say the overnight boarding might be the, is probably the highest margin just because it is uh, the, the amount of staff that we have to have doesn't necessarily change much for overnight. You know, if we have five dogs or 10, uh, we saw like one person, the dogs in their suite sleeping. So I would say the overnight boarding is, is probably the highest margin um, business, but, but, the, but all of them are about the same margin actually. Um, daycare is probably the least, the, the, the lowest margin uh, because uh, it's more of our, you know, the, the general service, the, the bread and butter, it's like, it's like what dogs come in to, to, to start a relationship. And then really the extra services, grooming, training, boarding <clears throat> is really where um, more of the, the, the profit probably comes from. Sure. Okay. So I, I, that, that's good to hear as far as only within, sounds like a month, the, some of the, the daycare service recuperated during COVID. Um, mm -hmm. but you said the other sort of lag behind and that's when you sort of pivoted, well not pivoted, but you started with other services then and, and here you are now, right? Yeah. So our overnight boarding was pretty much non-existent all through 2020. No one was traveling. So no one needed overnight boarding. Um, daycare picked up. Um, I mean, it wasn't exactly where it was pre-COVID, but, but it, it was substantial and I, and I could hire back my staff to take care of the dogs. Um, and dog grooming and training is really, the, again, the two things I focused on to make up for the lost revenue for the overnight boarding. And dog walking, too. Um, dog walking dropped by 75, 80%, and it's still down 75% now than it was prior to COVID because people who need dog walking services usually have more low maintenance dogs that don't need a daycare during the day. So if they're working from home, they can let their dog out briefly. They don't need a dog walk. But if, if you need daycare services, you need daycare services more now because you're working from home. You're not at the office. So your dog is with you and you need the dog out of the house. So it's sort of like you're taking your dog to work and you're staying at home to do your work rather than the other way around where you would go to the office and leave your dog at home. So it's uh, really interesting how we've seen such big demand in daycare because people need a quiet house. 
Jacob, I'm curious, since you lost sort of, you said it's still down 75% a dog walking stream of income, but I'm sure the other services that you brought in, such as the grooming, the training, that has more than outweighed that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we're definitely, um, our growth from 2020 is actually around 100%, but we did bring on a new location at the end of 2020. So that helped. Um, but but yeah, the, the new services have um, have definitely recouped what has been lost for dog walking. I still have hopes for dog walking. My, my general manager, dog walking is still there. We still have five or six or so dog walkers. Um, and I, I do expect it to rebound at some point, but um, I don't, don't really know when, uh, because we don't really know when people go to the office on a more regular basis. We know no one's going to the office forever, all the time, but at least a more regular basis would be beneficial. Yeah. Also, COVID, during COVID, uh, COVID brought you a new family member, right? Yes, yes. Yes, it did. So now <laughs> it expanded. Yeah, I got a, a second dog. Her name's Elka. She's a, a German pincher. Um, unfortunately, uh, she was in our care because her parent, her dad, was in cancer treatment um, during COVID. So her and her two parents, three dogs, were in our care at District Dogs and Navy Yard. And uh, very sad, but he did pass away during his treatment, um, very unexpectedly. Um, we were able to rehome her, her parents, um, and then I, I fostered her, and then that was a mistake because when you know when you foster a dog, you end up just keeping them. So I, I fostered her, and then she became a part of my family. So, yeah, I have a second family member, and she's great. Yeah, I see some of the stories between the two of them, and and, and the take the attention they seek from Jacob. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Elka likes to, if you if you give any if you give anyone else attention, Elka wants it, so she'll be up in your in your face. Uh, and it's really been really great because my my first dog Molly, she's nine years old. She's happy just laying down all day, looking outside the window. But now having our two year old crazy girl, uh, they play a lot, and, and and Molly likes the company. At least I think she does. Uh, but but it's definitely nice to see them play with each other. Yeah, well, you know, we, we thought about fostering. We, we adopted a pit bull mix maybe three years ago, pre-COVID, maybe three, four years ago. And, and, you know, especially with that breed that they're unfortunately very misunderstood. And, and this was my first time having a, a pit bull mix. And I'm like, next time, and the majority of the shelters, unfortunately, are filled with a lot of that breed. And I'm like, next yeah. time I would want to get another one. And we thought about it. And my mom was like, well, what about foster? I'm like, if we foster, we're not going to want to give the dog back. It, it's part of the family. Um, so yeah. we, we go back and forth as far as possibly getting a second one and adopting another one. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I mean, I, my house is a little messier, a little dirtier with the two dogs because they're always, at first, with Molly, she was asleep all day. But now there's the pillows are always a mess or whatever, but it's nice. It's nice to have a little more energy in the house. It is. It, 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 I love dogs myself as well. Um, any particular habits or traits, Jacob, you, that you use daily that you feel that has helped you, whether on the personal side of things or in business? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so something that I, uh, that's important to me that I try to, that's a habit of mine is like, I read this book, I think it's called the art of getting things done. Just like, getting things done is really important. A lot of people procrastinate little things for, for no reason. Um, and, and there's a rule in the, in the book that I read that if you can do it under two minutes, 
do it now. doesn't matter what's going on. If you have something to do under two minutes, just do it. Uh, and then you get a lot done if you just live by that rule. Because things, a simple email takes 45 seconds, but you will hold on to it for two days for no reason. Mm-hmm. Just getting stuff done um, dramatically improves your day and your, your, your productivity. Um, so that's something that's really important to me as a habit. So like I, if just the quick, easy to do things, don't wait around, just do it. Yeah, that's good. Don't, don't even think about it, just go. Right, exactly, yeah. You'd be amazed how, how many people just, you know, just hold on to little things for no reason. Then, then they pile up and you get stressed out with so much to do, but it's really, is only about 30 minutes of work if you just do it, um, so yeah. <laughs> You know, you, you've had a very rich career this far. What, what is it the, mo- the thing that you're most proud of? Mm-hmm. Um, the most proud of uh, thing is, and I, I've told this employee this, uh, but when she bought her first home, knowing that she was employed by District Dogs, uh, my paycheck or her paycheck from District Dogs was able to contribute to her first home. That's really important to me. Um, I'm very proud of that. I love, I love that a lot of what you do, it's all about your team um, and, yeah. and the growth of your team. And that's great because I, I think if it, it first starts with a team, if the team is happy and grows, but of course, there is no other way you will grow as well. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like your team is everything. Absolutely everything. Um, I know I'm probably not the easiest. I mean, I, I know my staff can probably get mad at me from time to time. I'm not the easiest to work with. I have high expectations, but, but at this point they all know how to work with me and they know my, how I come off. But, but my team is definitely everything without them. I wouldn't be here and the dogs wouldn't get in the fantastic care that they're currently getting. What's your biggest challenge today at district dogs? Um, let's see. The biggest challenge at the moment at my existing locations is uh, is being able to provide enough care for all the dogs. We are we are we have many more dogs than I was expecting to have at this time in these locations because everyone needs our services. Like we've been booked up for the holidays for overnight boarding since probably August, and like that's never happened. So the, the amount of people that need our services. Is, is out of this world. Um, so that's, that's a really big challenge because it's, it's a challenge for my staff too, because you know, every now and then a quiet slow day is nice, but we haven't had a quiet slow day in all year at all. Not one day has been quiet and slow. Um, and, and that can be hard on my team too. Just, I mean, I try to staff up and luckily we're fully staffed. It took us all year to get fully staffed. That was, that was a pretty um, hard thing, thing to do because our business just grew so fast. Um, but, uh, you know, all the dogs and have enough staff, that's tough. And adding these two new locations later this or early next year should help alleviate that and spread out some uh, of the demand or the demand that we aren't able to capture can, can go elsewhere. So that's a, that's a tough challenge right now. That's a very good challenge and problem to have as far as having that much demand to fulfill. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's definitely a good problem to have. And it'll be happier to be on this side of things rather than not enough, but it's still, you got to make sure your, your quality of care is still, is still high, even with the increased demand. So there's a, it brings on a lot of new challenges and, uh, and still probably about the same level of stress, just different type of stress, you know, um, we're just making sure that we're still doing what we need to do with, with all this demand and try not to make people unhappy by saying no. 
I'm glad to hear, Jacob, that it sounds like getting half an issue as far as staffing up to meet that demand, because I talked to a lot of business owners, and of course, it depends on the industry that you're in, but many of them right now with COVID and now coming out of it have been having a challenge as far as finding the right employees and the teams as far as the job market. Yeah, it's uh, at first it was challenging. Like it was spring and summer of 2021 was pretty tough. Um, but towards the end of summer, um, we actually, uh, we, got, we got some really good key staff members on board um, and it was much easier. And even the, the past eight weeks, we've had good success bringing on board. Right now we're slightly overstaffed. We have, um, which is a good problem to have. Like I'm happy to be overstaffed. Like I, I will double up shifts on important days just for like an insurance policy if someone were to call out or sick. Um, so I like to be well overstaffed and it's, it's a risk worth taking. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I think we're just very fortunate. Um, uh, I know a lot of people have been in the industry for a while and looking for a company that has growth opportunities. And that's been one of the biggest things that, that um, applicants will talk about with prior experiences. They want it somewhere where there's more advancement opportunities. So that's something that I try to do for my staff. I've already spoken about, um, and that's what people are looking for. And that's a, a way that I guess a lot of people are choosing to work at District Dogs. Are, are you involved as well with all the hiring or do you have HR or HR manager with that? Yeah, so my general manager at my, my Shaw facility, Jillian, she does most of the in-person interviews. I do most of the screening. I'll do the phone call. Um, uh, but as moving into next year, when Jillian will be my, my new regional manager, um, she'll do most of the HR like um, stuff completely. Um, but right now, that is the, the one thing I, I am pretty heavily involved with at the moment. And most of your new team members, I'm sure some of it it's referral, but is it just like, I guess, online posting, Monster? I don't know if you use other ones or Indeed or whatever it may be. Yeah, um, I, I, a lot of them come from Indeed. And then also we have a career page on our website and we get a lot of applicants directly from the website. Um, oh. And yeah, I think it's probably equally split um, okay. Indeed in the website. If I, if I need a more specialized position like a dog groomer or dog trainer i'll go to indeed uh, because i did not because not all groomers are looking on my website but a lot of people looking for uh, just in, in normal dog daycare tenant positions come through our, my website two district dogs okay what do you know now that you wish you would have known at the start of your career um i guess just like how to be a better manager um it's uh, managing people's tough. Like I expected it to be easy. I expected, oh, I mean, I'm a decent person, can communicate well. I can have a team of people and manage them well. It's it's hard. It's really hard, and that's by far the hardest part of the job. Just managing people, you know, keeping people, keeping drama out of the workplace, which drama can come up from from crazy stuff that doesn't. Yeah, don't get me started with, with that. But just you know, just just maintaining you know, the peace among staff members, a team environment, coworker camaraderie. That, that's tough. It's a lot of work, and and being more prepared, um, and or at least having different expectations would have been, been better. So just just be ready for a um, for a a big learning curve with human management. Yeah. When I say the word success, Jacob, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Um, I mean, the, I mean, it goes back to my staff, like, like 
the larger team that I have, the more clients I have, that's how I value my success. I mean, obviously revenue and profit are really important as a business owner. It's important to me to make sure that we're surviving, that we're, we're flourishing as a business. But um, I, I really think about m uh, my team and like, I love to think about my, my managers and how they are managing my store. And like, it's just the amount of work they're doing and all that is off my plate and I can focus on other things. So just knowing all this stuff is happening in the background that I am no longer directly a part of, but I know it's happening. Uh, that sort of success to me is just like everything I've built so far and that it's just like a, you know, like a, a steam engine. It's just going on its, on, on its own. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm just constantly adding to the fuel or adding more carts to the train type of thing. So it's a, uh, that's how I sort of see success. You just mentioned earlier, as far as uh, the challenge in the management part of things, did, did you have growing the business, whether starting off or now, as far as a mentor, whether directly or indirectly? Um, that's a good question. So I thought about this a lot because I, I know you, you did, uh, I mentioned it might be a, a question and I, uh, there's really, it's just really tough. I don't have one person I would necessarily consider, you know, a mentor. There's been a lot of people in my life, personal, business, professional, that have been very impactful along the way. Um, but, but there's not been like a one person mentor, to be honest, that, that's really helped guide me down this journey. Um, I've really just figured out a lot out of my own. I've always been really good at figuring things out, um, whether with, with any aspect of life, I've just figured it out. Um, and I really thought hard about this and I wish there was that one person I always would go to for advice and there, and there really isn't just been lots of people, family, friends, coworkers have all been super supportive in, in their own way. Mm -hmm. um, so really just my whole support network has been um, really what's gotten me through to where I am today. Okay. No, that's good. You know, you know I, I hear a mixed bag of things. There's entrepreneurs that have had sort of mentors or coaches. And for example, today, an episode came out with a, a tech founder and he, he's had multiple coaches throughout his entrepreneurial journey. Um, but it, everyone's different. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to an end here now soon, Jacob, what does, I know you have a couple locations in the process of opening, but what does the future, what does the next couple of years look like for you and District Dogs? Yeah, so like I do have a couple opening. Uh, a big one is uh, I mentioned previously is that we're going to Amazon HQ2 building. That was a very um, a long process to get selected, and we, we competed with a few other local doggy daycare businesses. And that's really, I feel like it speaks to, to the success that District Dogs has, that, they, that Amazon trusts District Dogs to deliver a great experience um, for their employees and also the people in the community. So that's one thing in the next couple of years we're really looking forward to and we think is really a, um, going to be a big deal for the business and for the company. Um, and beyond that, I mean, I, I am looking to expand in other, other markets, you know, and maybe a couple more in the DMV area, um, maybe uh, some a little further south. I'm not, not quite sure, but we definitely have some ideas out there and we're looking at some opportunities um, outside the DMV area. Um, but I want to just, you know, continue growing the company and, um, and provide an opportunity and, and, and see where it leads us. I understand right now all the locations are in D.C. and Northern Virginia. Maryland is in the horizon in the future? Or? It's on the list, yeah. Okay. Um, but we haven't actively looked at anything yet. But it's definitely on our, you know, the, the plan for the DMV area. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I think you guys will do great. Um, 
one of the guests, and I think one of the first 10 episodes uh, was the founder of Bark Social. I don't know if you're familiar with Bark oh, Social. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's been on the show and right there in uh, Pike and Rose, North Bethesda, Rockville area. Um, yeah. yeah. I think you're very much needed in Maryland. Yeah. 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 It's, it's all of this. And one thing that I've been, uh, I mean, if anything, I, I can probably like hinder my own growth because I'm like, I don't want to do too much at once. You know, I sure. want to take things pretty slow. And I have some people that are like, just grow, 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 grow. Like, I, I would go crazy if I opened five in one year. Just, I do it. So maybe I could have to hire a team and so, so um, uh, but yeah, but I definitely have plans that I could come out to Maryland. By the way, all, all this growth now that now, now that you mentioned, I know the first one was self-funded. Is it still that way or have things changed on that part? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's part of that way. I mean, a lot of my, the way that we negotiate our leases, um, I mean, it's, it's pretty, uh, I don't know, like talk about too much, but something that I think sets us apart from, from others, but uh, we definitely negotiate like, some tenant improvement allowance. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, we, which is beneficial. And then we also like to, you know, sort of like, uh, we sort of like to position your dogs as amenity to the neighborhood, to the building. And, and also, obviously, it's a business, but we really try to, to amenitize our business, say, hey, you need district dogs type of thing. Um, so through our deal negotiation process, there are landlords that really helps grow the business and, and fund the build-outs. Um, but it only covers about 60 70% of the, the total costs, and then the rest is usually cash flow. Yeah, okay. What do you like to do for fun, Jacob, when you're not busy working? Um, I'm a huge ultimate frisbee player. I play three or four times a week uh, in the mornings, like 7 a.m. At, at a local park um, a couple of blocks away. And then like, on, on Sundays, I play pickup for a few hours. Um, so I, I love ultimate frisbee. That's probably my biggest hobby. Uh, I do some mountain biking, too. You can see my bike back there. Um, play, and I play a lot of video games. I have a, a big group of, of, of gamers, and we love to play video games. That's awesome. Are you in a league, by the way, for the ultimate frisbee? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm in a, a rec league. We we play pretty much all year. There's okay. there's uh, there's leagues and seasons all year round. Okay, that's awesome. Jacob, if, if people want to reach out to you, learn more about you and District Dogs, where can they go, please? Um, uh, you can email me, Jacob at DistrictDogs.com. Um, Instagram is really big for uh, for District Dogs. Just is at District Dogs. Um, and of course, our website, districtdoggers.com. Um, it's, it's all pretty easy to find us online. It's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jacob. Thanks for having me. Of course. It was all a pleasure. Take care. Oh, thank you. If you haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review and comment and let me know what you think. Thank you, and I'll see you all very soon on the next episode.